You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. I'm going to be iconic. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on X, formerly Twitter, at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twix, but at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where if you use the promo code ALSFLIGHTDECK10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com for all of your sporting needs. And as always, be sure to support local. Have you missed any of the episodes of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast? Well, no need to worry. You can head over to our archive and catch all seven plus seasons of our show. And that's at alouettesflightdeck.ca. You can also find us on Twitter slash X at alouettesfldeck. Facebook over at Alouette's Flight Deck Pod, Instagram at Alouette's Flight Deck, YouTube, which is hosting uh, our Flight Deck Lives each week along with our Twitter account. So you need to stay tuned for all of our socials to find out when we're going live after each and every game. But that's youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And then we're looking to rep some merch for the Flight Deck. Uh, well, we have a couple of things for you. First, you can head over to our store at uh, teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. And currently now, and we'll explain a little bit later, there is a promo code for you, the fans. Until September 30th, Cliff. That's right. I said September 30th. If you use the code TGIVING23, you will save 10% off your entire order. So you can get, I don't know, uh, a t-shirt that has the uh, Flight Deck logo. A t-shirt that has the Cartoon Bird 56 logo. Anything that you want to, that uh, you want to rep the uh, podcast, it is currently there. So again, that promo code until September 30th is TGIVING23. Mm-hmm. By the way, you mentioned before about uh, uh, Sport Buff. Couldn't, I didn't want to interrupt you while you were... Uh, doing the, uh, the the scripting there, um, but can't forget that the CFL has put out their new turf traditions line for 2023, and uh, Chris and Gary over at Sport Buff they currently do have uh, the uh, some of the caps that are available. Mm-hmm. So again, head over to Sport Buff shop and. Uh, Use the, use use that code. <laughs> Listen, that that's what the promo code is there for, folks. You want to save some money? That's the way to do it. I mean, of course, you could definitely get the turf tradition, turf traditions gear at the next home game, which is this coming Saturday versus the BC Lions. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be selling uh, a lot of gear there. Uh, you can also get it on the Alouettes website if your heart desires. Uh, I think it's boutique.montrealalouettes.com. Uh, so there you go, free plug for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I gotta say, like it, it's really nice some of this uh, some of this stuff. Uh, once again, the Alouettes going retro using the French horn logo, which I've always liked that logo, and I I, I I make no bones about it. It is definitely an amazing logo, and the use of red and green 
like they did back in the uh, the late sixties, early seventies. Uh, outstanding, outstanding stuff. I, I you love to see it. You really do. I mean, as as much as people say, you know. This current uniform is the best one out there, and okay, it's it's got its place. There's no question about that. There's just something about like that classic Alouettes look. I mean, that it, it looks like a bird. It looks like it, it looks like Montreal. I mean, that's that's the thing with the the, the French horn logo mm-hmm. is it, it looks like Montreal. And even though green isn't typically one of the Alouettes colors, in this instance, it just it looks so good and. By all means, folks, if, if, you, if you're feeling that retro vibe, if you're feeling nostalgic for, you know, days gone by, make sure you go get to the get to the game this Saturday or ha- head on over to the website and make sure you snap up all all of the Turf Traditions gear. Yeah. Um, before we get to the debacle that was the Owls Winnipeg game, it's been something, dude. <laughs> It's basically been basically a week. It's almost been a week since we've had this game and we've been been having to sit on this thing. Um, but yeah, we did, we did cover a, a little bit of it on uh, flight deck live, but mm-hmm. yeah, we've, we, we've been sitting stewing in our own juices regarding this game. <laughs> yeah. But we wanted to announce something first and it sort of goes to what I was saying earlier about the, um, about the new promo code for our shop, um, is that we're trying something new. Uh, we are going to have a, uh, a fan, what, what am I calling it? A fan meetup. Yes. A fan meetup on Thanksgiving Monday uh, over in the same area where they have the a tailgating. And a uh, specific location will be uh, put out on social media while, once we figure out uh, all the logistics. But what we are trying to do is, as everybody knows... That the uh, Cartoon Bird 56 T-shirt has become our bestseller ever uh, in the history of the podcast and and our store. Mm-hmm. What we would love to do, Cliff, is to be able to take a group photo with all of our fans uh, who ha- who currently happen to own the shirt. Yes, to, 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 you know, just something, uh, you know, take a photo for 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 posterity's sake. Definitely, and again. Thanksgiving, I mean, we tend, tend to associate it with turkeys, which is a bird. Uh, the cartoon bird is not a turkey, but it's still a bird. It's still worthy of celebration. So I, I sincerely hope that uh, everyone who has purchased one of these shirts, and if you have, thank you very much. We, we truly do appreciate the support. Uh, if you're coming to the game on Thanksgiving Monday, please, by all means, come with your shirt and come be a part of this uh, this meetup. Come be a part of this group photo. I, I mean, I, I would love nothing more than be able to post on Thanksgiving Monday a big photo uh, with a, a huge following, if you will, a flock, if, if you will, of Cartoon Birds 56s. I, I, I guess that's how you would pluralize it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> so, again, folks, if, if you are planning to be at the Thanksgiving Day game in Montreal, definitely come out to the tailgate. Uh, definitely come find us. Uh, you know, we're going to make ourselves as visible as possible. Just, I mean, again, if you've seen the cartoon Bird 56 shirt, you know what it looks like. So come on out and be a part of this as well. We'd love to have you. We'd, we'd love to see as many people out there rocking that shirt as possible. And yeah, I, I think a group photo with a whole bunch of us wearing that shirt would just be absolutely amazing. 
Yeah. So we have set it for, and it's currently over on our Facebook page, uh, the event. It's set for uh, Monday, October 9th. It's going to be from 1030 to 12 a.m. Uh, so it gives everybody enough time to do a little bit of tailgating yep. and, and, and uh, do what they need to do before the game kicks off at 1. Um, so again, you know, we offered the, the promo code of T Thanksgiving, uh, sorry, T giving 23, uh, head over to the shop. You know, we'd love you to see you guys purchase, uh, one of the, uh, the shirts and join us. We got some other ideas too. We are looking at the potential of a, of a raffle, um, where all proceeds would go to the, uh, uh, to the Alwoods foundation. Um, and that would be of one of our uh, remaining Delta satin jackets, those infamous Delta satin jackets. But uh, we're, we're looking at that, and we're looking at seeing if there's, if there's other things that we can do. So uh, stay tuned to, uh, to our, all of our socials uh, and uh, to keep more information on, on what, what we're going to do. And uh, uh, we hope to see you guys there. So it's uh, what better way to get together with the entire um, you know, uh, flight deck crew, uh, flight crew, rather flight crew. And, uh, just, uh, see everybody on Thanksgiving. So, all right, let's get to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As as I said, we, we, we've, we've been sitting on this for a couple of days and, I don't think a lot of our feeling has changed on it. Like, you know how sometimes, you know, you, you, you say things, in the heat of the moment and you're, 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 you're pissed off and you, you want, you know, you're like, what the hell's going on? You're just, you, your emotions are all out of whack and you think, okay, you know what? Just leave it alone. Give it a couple of days. Maybe your thoughts will change on this. Maybe it won't seem so bad. Maybe, you know, this wasn't such a terrible thing, but when I look at a final score of 47, 17 for the Winnipeg blue bombers, and I look at some of the stats as a result of that, absolute beatdown mm-hmm. it, it's hard to find positive it's hard to feel like anything good could come of it so i say we just kind of have like a, a little groups group therapy session right now and let's just get out all of our anger get out all of our frustration <laughs> over this and at that point we just burn the tape and move on i, I know the alouettes have by and large pretty much burned the tape and move on from this but i think now it's our turn yeah yeah i, I yeah. I remember, yeah, just, just, it was, it was tough talking about it during Flight Deck Live. It's just still, either way. You talk about the score itself, Cliff. The Alouettes lose by 30 plus points for the first time since June 28th, 2019. And that's when we got shellacked at Hamilton, 41 10. Uh, this to me is, is, is the game itself, Cliff, and I'm sure you'll agree, is that the Alouettes got shut out in the second half. For the first time since November nineteenth, twenty twenty-one versus Ottawa, and that was the uh, uh, th- that was the home finale back in twenty twenty-one. By the way, where the Owls lost to the Red Blacks. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's just get all the negatives out of here. One first down in the second half. You heard me right, ladies and gentlemen. It hadn't been for that late <laughs> push <laughs> in the fourth quarter, we would have had none. Um, and. How many total yards Cliff, did we have in the second half? A grand total of 21. Yeesh. Hence, look at that score. Now, and I think what made it hurt even more is, and to me this is big because obviously it leads into our upcoming matchup versus the BC Lions 
at home this week is the people that are got hurt. And one of those guys that got hurt, and we don't, and it looks like he will not be playing this week, uh, basically started off the game, you know, the first half, the first half that we were looking for, started it off on the very first play, you know, and that's former number one picks, uh, Tyler Richards, who had his very first pick six. He sure did. First play of the game, no less. I mean, you, you want to talk about what should have been a tone setter right there? Should have been. Mm hmm. I, I mean, and it's, it's so funny, too, because Zach Caleros had come off the uh, injured list. He missed the last couple of games, too, due to injury. And you knew that he wanted to prove that, OK, there's no rust. There's nothing like that. He's ready to you know, take back his, his starting position and to you know, be flushed out of the pocket and to throw a pick six right into the hands of Tyrell Richards, who just, you know, ducked and weaved and just took it all the way to the house. I was like, what? Like, I was excited, of course. I, we're big fans of Tyrell's. And mm-hmm. to see something like that, it was like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, literally the first play of the game, the first offensive play of the game for the Bombers is a pick six. Wow. Like that, again, this is one of the the top tier teams, like a, a, a team that arguably is the best in the CFL. And that's their first play is to throw a pick six. Oh my. <laughs> that was just... At, at that point, you're like, oh my gosh, that, like, wow, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. I'm just, you're just at a loss for words. Like, and so happy for Tyrell because, I mean, you know, the kids worked his ass off at, you know, battling an injury during his first year last year. And for, it, the week before, he, in Ottawa, he had his first fumble recovery, for, forced fumble and fumble recovery. That was pretty exciting. Like, that, that's pretty good that, you know, we were excited for him there. Like, oh, what I even I think I even jokingly said to him, like, what do you do for an encore? I'm like, well, now we know <laughs> a pick six. I mean, that well, that's a, a great way to top it as far as I'm concerned. So, whew, I mean, that like I said, just absolute excitement for for Tyrell. And at that point, you thought, OK, you know, like Montreal came to play. They are ready. They are they're ready to rock. This is this is going to be fun. And then. The game continued. <laughs> yeah, well, no, the, the first half was was very entertaining. I will admit, uh, you know, it was back and forth, and it just has to at least mention that you know Tyrell was looked to be a um, a casualty of friendly fire in the fourth quarter. Had to be carted off. Uh, got some information this week that it uh, that it was not as bad as they expected. So he looks like he's going to be on a game to game basis. Uh, interesting comments from uh, from uh, head coach uh, Jason Moss about Tyrell. Something to the effect, Cliff, that it's something that he's going to have to get used to for the rest of the season. I'm thinking, vague, but what the hell does that mean? I had no clue what that meant. Maybe, maybe a brace. Maybe I don't know. I'm I, again. I, it's all speculation because, as we've talked about before in in the past, is that the coach just he's he's gotten very good at saying something without saying something. Yeah, and I can't help but wonder if he was thinking about last year, Cody Fajardo was dealing with uh, knee issues and had to wear a brace as well. And I don't know if that's what uh, Coach Moss was alluding to uh, or maybe making reference to is the fact that he's he's kind of seen this before with, uh, you know, one of his, his top players, uh, you know, dealing with a, a potential injury. And hopefully 
again, we, we obviously hope that Tyrell has a, a speedy recovery and that the Alouettes will give him the chance to properly recuperate and seriously hope this is just like a, a week-to-week thing and not anything that could become worse. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to believe the Alouettes will not put Tyrell in a position to aggravate that injury even further. Like, if he can't go, then he can't go. So be it. But, uh, you know, I, and I hope he, he takes it upon himself to ensure that he does everything well whatever it's going to take for him to get back on the field but in a a stronger healthier way like not rush anything back i think that's going to be key and i think the alouettes kind of realize that as well they think they realize how important this young man is to this this defense now not just on special teams like he started the year off on but now he he was actually becoming an integral part of this uh, defense and the proof was in the pudding i mean the past two games he had two outstanding turnover related plays yeah and you, you want this is what you want to see out of him. This is why you make him the first overall draft pick, you know. Like, but as far as his uh, evolution and his development goes, I mean, this is unfortunately just another bump in the road for him. Uh, just like the injury bug that hit him last year, I, I just hope that he just comes back stronger than ever. And it sounds like it's not as severe as previously feared, and I, I sincerely hope that's the case. Uh, you know, I'll, at this point, all we can do is just hope that he's back sooner rather than later, but not rush back as a result. Exactly, and the obviously the the other uh, outstanding play uh, for the Alouettes was the Alouettes' second touchdown uh, interception return return for a touchdown on a beautiful play by Marc Antoine Ducroix. Uh It was uh, around two thirty of the of the of the second quarter. Uh, and it put the Owls up at that time, seventeen fourteen. And, and, and again, it the uh, the defense w- again was keeping this team in the game despite all the other obstacles. But again, this first half was just a back and forth thing. The no team could keep any momentum, none, none at all. You know that was, and just the case of that is with the Blue Bombers basically answering that touchdown with their own right before halftime. So it's, but still what a play by, by Ducroix. Yeah. And funny thing, that was his second interception of the game. Like he had another one previous to that, which mm-hmm. saved a touchdown, a, a potential bombers touchdown. Yep. So that was pretty good. And once again, it comes back to, okay, well, how do you top that? Well, with a pick six, of course. And it's incredible. It, if for that first half, it felt like Mark Antoine Decoit was living rent free in Zach Caleros's head. Yeah, yeah. And one had to wonder, like, oh, maybe Zach was being rushed back too quickly. Maybe he's, you know, been, uh, you know, may, maybe uh, there's. A, well, it's hard. It's it's hard to say. I mean, it's really hard to say what he was thinking of what was going through his head during that first half, but. Obviously, second half, that's when teams make adjustments. Uh, we, we talked about how the Alouettes are the, well, the best, if not the best team at making adjustments in the second half. Clearly, Winnipeg is pretty good at it, too, because I, I think they actually got scared a little bit. I think they realized, we're letting these guys hang around. Like, we're supposed to be better than them. And then finally, that second half, they got their ass in gears. Calero got his ass in gear, and... They started playing like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that we've come to expect over the past few seasons. And they, they it was almost like they wanted to make Montreal pay for embarrassing them. And 
boy, they sure did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, with the two uh, INTs returned for touchdowns, it was the uh, the first time that that has occurred in Montreal Canadian pro football history since August 4th, 1984, when it was the Montreal Concords, Cliff, who did it versus the Calgary Stampeders. And before that, it was uh, they had it done back in 1960. So it had been a while, and two different teams, <laughs> team, <laughs> team names since since uh, you know Montreal Pro Football had had done that. So, um, yeah, the first again, and also they were shooting themselves. You know, besides the, the positive with these that the defense was showing in that first half, again, penalties rear their ugly head. And the problem is, though, Cliff, is that it was the first half which which really killed them. And it's kind, you know, what's funny? It kind of set the tone for the second half. And just the you know just how horrible that it was. I mean, they had eight eight penalties at halftime, Cliff, for eighty one yards. Yeah, and Chandler Worthy would would take the ball on returns, and he'd get the Alouettes' great field position. But then you saw the yellow flag, and it was like, oh crap! Mm-hmm. It was a holding, a legal block in the back. Uh, you know, you name it. There was any number of penalties that were called. And all that great progress wiped back. And then you tack on a ten anywhere from 10 to 15 yards on top of that. So Fajardo in the offense starting in a hole immediately. After Chandler Worthy did all that hard work to get the Alouettes in decent field position, it's gone in a flash. And uh, Cody Fajardo just has to start, you know, working extra hard to try and get the Alouettes closer into the scoring position. And unfortunately, he... Uh, try as they might, the Alouettes' offense just wasn't clicking at all in Winnipeg. No, not not at all. I mean, uh, of the total penalties that day, I mean, the Owls did have 13 for 142. Now, no, to be fair, you know, they had quite a few uh, for Winnipeg, too. I mean, Winnipeg, 18 for 187. Um, excuse me. Sorry. They only had 5 for 45. I was reading the totals there. Sorry. Um, again, special teams coverage and return coverage, was a, they... they accounted for for seven of them and one that was was very egregious that you and i really do not agree with was that phantom dpi call it was in the fourth quarter on the alouettes yes and uh, which was tom i'm sorry i'm sorry that was i mean yes we couldn't challenge because uh, you know we'd gotten one right and anyways but that was yeah that that wasn't necessary that wasn't necessary but i mean it's again it, it set the stage for that horrible second half, and it ended, and I've ranted about this before, and I'm curious to know your thoughts of uh, basically the, the, uh, this being completely Bush League in, you know, uh, Winnipeg challenging, challenging a play when they're up by 30 points in the fourth quarter. You know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Michael Shake. Yeah, that's, that's Bush League. Completely, completely, because it, there was no point. There's no point in having that. They, they, we're, it was already rubbed in enough. You go and you do this. Yes, I understand that they got the play, but still, you know, I, I, I gave Coach Moss, if I remember correctly, was it Coach Moss that I gave to when he when he did this? I, I'd have to go back and check my my social media, but I I, I think I gave. Somebody the the gears also for trying this. It was in another CFL game when they were up by thirty. You don't do that. 
You really don't. Just, just, and, and I think you mentioned to me, it, it's not a, it's not an, uh, a divisional game. So why, why does it matter? What does it matter? Yeah. Uh, I even tried to say the reason why O'Shea probably did that was, you know, as a show of support for his, his players, which I get, and I can appreciate that to a degree, but you're right. When you're up by 30 and, and you're challenging stuff like that, I mean, that, Again, I, I I said it during the Flight Deck Live. I, Coach O'Shea is better than that. I want to believe he's better than that. Like, what were you hoping to accomplish? Like, to rub f- salt further into the wound? Was, was this, like, revenge because Marc-Antoine Decois and Tyrell Richards scored pick sixes on, you, on your, your precious offense? Like, come on. Like, that... It, I, I, yeah, it, it was just... <laughs> It, like I said, we're we're still bitter about that, folks. There's no question about that. Yeah, that's and ridiculous. What, yeah, it's Bush. It's Bush League. It really is. And, and what I still don't understand, I, I still have not gotten an answer to this, and I probably never will. Rashid Bailey, the uh, recipient of said, uh, or the, the beneficiary, I should say, of said uh, DPI penalty, he made the motion, the, the the calling for a flag motion, which is objectable conduct. You're not supposed to do that. You, you're you supposed to have a signal of some sort to say to the, the bench, hey, challenge that because something's wrong or take a look, another look at it. Like you can, you can do that. You can make some sort of thing, but you can't do the actual, you know, throwing your hands as though you're, 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 you're calling for a flag. You can't do that. That's supposed to be objectionable conduct and a penalty in the Canadian Football League. And referees... turned a blind eye to it. Didn't, didn't seem to notice or didn't seem to care, probably because... <laughs> Interesting enough, the Alouettes are losing by thirty. So, mm-hmm. what difference does it make? Like, well, one could argue, what difference does uh, this uh, DPI penalty make? I mean, really? I mean, yeah, it it it, like, it, it just G- left a, I, I, it just left a really bitter taste in the mouth. And you know, I will say, karma does have a funny way of coming back to people on things like that. And if you want to call it sour grapes on our part, folks, by all means, go ahead. But Really, truly, like, I mean, just be thankful, as as we said, this is good. Be glad this wasn't a divisional game. Could you imagine if this was going on during, say, the Labor Day Classic or the Banjo Bowl against the Rough Riders? Mm-hmm. Oh, get, yo. oh, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be seeing torches and pitchforks big time. Yeah, out of they'd, be, they'd be crucified, you know, be yeah. crucified. Um, you you need security detail to get the hell out of Regina. <laughs> yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the 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 that call was you know done and then overturned by J.R. Reed. If I'm not mistaken, he was the the Owls defender on that play. Um, I, I think he made a a great I, again. Some of the penalties I, I felt that they were very ticky tacky, but I mean again, you know what? We got blown out. We just pure, unadulterated blown out. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's done. You know, it's just just look at the stats alone, dude. I mean, Fajardo was fourteen of fourteen of twenty five for one hundred and thirty seven and interception, no touchdowns. You know, our our huge plus of potentially having the three headed monster this week really didn't amount to anything at all. I mean, Stamick had thirty two yards on eight rushes. Fletcher had three twelve yards on three rushes. Nothing. They were, and they were in it in the first half. It's just that they couldn't do garbage all in the second. And you're only down by three at halftime. Well, that's it. Uh, this is what we we talked about again. The the, the halftime adjustments. Like I, I I had to believe. Okay, you're only down by three. Okay, and you're playing a very competitive football game against a, a very good football team. Like 
okay, the, the, this should set up for a very exciting second half of football. And it just felt like the offense stayed in the dressing room. Like the, nothing doing. Like Fajardo couldn't get anything set. Uh, yeah, maybe they forgot that the uh, that the weather delay was at the was before kickoff of the fir- uh, uh, at the beginning of the game rather <laughs> rather than rather than the second half. Maybe because this was just yikes. I mean, and two and out, two and out, two and out, two and out, or interception, interception. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. awful and giving the the bombers excellent field position every every single time it was again Zach Caleros is going to take advantage of that all day long Brady Oliveira he went off yeah we couldn't do way. anything yeah we couldn't do anything and you you couldn't this guy was like AJ Ouellette you couldn't it's like a tackling a bowling ball you just couldn't get a hold of this dude and like I I, I jokingly call him Brady Olive Oil because he's slick as hell he just you can't grab this guy mm-hmm. and then Dalton Sean uh Drew Wolitarski Nick Dembski Again, he he missed the first Alouettes uh, game in Montreal because uh, he was his uh, wife was giving birth, and I, part of me felt like, okay, I want I want to show up these clowns too, and he sure did. I mean, my goodness, it was it was not pretty, folks. If you're an Alouettes fan, you, and uh, I did see a lot of Alouettes Nation on on social media, was like, yeah, I'm out, I'm out. Click, turn off the TV, mm-hmm. like, Which... find something find something else to do. This. This ain't it. it this ain't it. it. Which, to be fair, I wanted to do too, but being the professional that I am, I had to watch it. <laughs> yep, to the bitter end. <laughs> to the bitter end. Um, leading receiver for the Alouettes was Austin Mack with 55 yards on five receptions. After that, it was Tyson Philpott, which had a pretty good game. Uh, early concussion protocol that he went through in the first half, uh, but he ended up with four receptions for 36 yards. Uh, Tyler Sneed also got in on it with uh, 21 yards. Others were ne- negligible. Walter Fletcher with six. James Tuck with four. Kevin Kaya with five. Um, I, I, you know, again, again, they, they, the Blue Bombers did what they had to do. I mean, 240 yards from Zach Caleros, 119 from Brady uh, Oliveira. And it was yeah, Nick Dembski who led the team with uh, 87 yards, but obviously the two touchdowns went to Dalton Schoen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we talked about already about Ty, you know, about T. Rich. The problem is too is that besides you know what happened to Tyson early in the game, you know, more bitter taste in the mouth when it looks like. I don't know what's happening because he hasn't practiced yet this week or he's been very limited. Austin Mack came up a little bit lame. Uh, we don't know if it was an ankle or an upper upper leg. We're not sure, but he was able to, you know, he was able to shake it off once. And by the end of the game, I don't think he showed up at all in the, in the was he there at all in the second half? He was. And we, we actually, that's where we saw at one point he was favoring his, it looked like his ankle or his shin and like, Definitely the lower leg, no matter however you want to phrase it. But, uh, and I think out the Elwets were smart to say, okay, this this game is clearly out of reach. Don't don't even bother putting Mac out there. And mm-hmm. I think I, I want to believe that's all it was was just self preservation. And you know, like the, there's no sense trying to aggravate it or make things worse. Just leave it alone and uh, live to fight another day. And I think that's. The smart way to go when it when it comes to something like that, especially too with one of the the league leaders in receptions in yeah. Austin Mack and one of the one of your premier players, 
Yeah. Why put why put them in harm's way? So you know what? Tonight's not the night. It happens. Let it go. Just you know, keep them on the keep them on the sidelines and keep them ready for this Saturday's game versus the BC Lions. The other big one that really hurts on defense is the loss of Wesley Sutton. We don't know what's going on. He's listed. It's listed as a head injury, I think. We you really weren't able to tell from the from the actual play itself, but uh, we know he's he most likely is not going to play this week. Yeah, although same idea is that you know they're not going to six game him, or at least not yet. Yeah, and then... very. You heard that comment too, weren't? Didn't you? Mm-hmm. That was an interesting comment that was made by Coach Moss. Is like, what, what, how did he put it? The doctors don't think he needs to go on six game. Then we won't put him on six game. Right. I'm paraphrasing. If you, if you need to see it, guys, go head over to the Alouettes uh, YouTube page, and uh, it was there from Monday. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. Tuesday. Tuesday is a press scrum. So again, obviously we can't afford to lose a talent like Wesley Sutton. There's there's no question about that. So same thing with uh, Tyrell Richards. Hopefully it doesn't sound like it's as severe as it maybe could or should have been. And all we can do is just hope once again for a speedy recovery for Wesley as well because the Alouettes are that much better with him on the field versus off. Yeah. Now when the Alouettes didn't make a change after it was well over, they brought in Davis Alexander. My, my thought to you, Cliff, is this, and my question to you is also, is uh, why did they not make a change sooner? And why was it Davis Alexander, you know, mm. when we had a guy who had just won two straight games for the Alouettes? Yeah, one would say go with a hot hand, and Caleb Evans definitely would have been the hot hand, maybe not, you know, maybe some people wouldn't think it was hot despite the fact beating, uh, in, you know, a, a nil prepared Saskatchewan team and just barely beating the Ottawa Red Blacks who are in a bit of a free fall. Uh, but by and large, Caleb Evans would have been the guy to go to. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have been mad to see even sort of a kind of a hybrid scenario where you have, where you ease Fajardo back in slowly. Like obviously this is, this is still Cody Fajardo's team and it is right until he's injured. But at the same time too, especially when you saw those first couple of series where it just wasn't clicking, it wasn't working. Yeah. We need to spark something. Yeah, just throw them like, and they clearly were prepared for for Fajardo. I, I don't think they th- even considered the possibility that Caleb Evans might even see some action. Why not take advantage of that and let him get in there for a couple of series and try to shake things up? Maybe, if only to keep the the Bombers' defense guessing. But it, it felt like they they knew exactly what they were getting in Fajardo, and they were able to counteract and just they 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 made his life a, a living hell this last Thursday. At that point, like switch things up. It's it's not the end of the world. I don't think it's it wouldn't be a reflection on on, on Fajardo either. To tell you the truth, I mean, listen, the guy, the guy missed the last couple of games. Uh, you know, I'm sure a little bit of rust is formed. I mean, that, that was obviously the concern with Caleros as well, especially after he threw two picks. Mm-hmm. You know, did they rush him back? Was he is he back too soon? Can he get his act together? And the answer was yes, he did in a big way, but. Uh, okay, that's Zach Calero, so. I mean, he's back-to-back MOP, one of the premier quarterbacks in this league. That's one thing. Fajardo, still a very good quarterback, still someone that you can count on, and he's got that warrior mentality. Like, he's, you know, you're going to have to drag him off the field kicking and screaming. But at the same time, like, maybe just what, after those first couple of series weren't working, maybe just, just for the sake of sparking something, like you said, 
put Caleb Evans in there or Davis Alexander and, and, and let them try something, at least give a, a, a couple different looks and, and just keep this Bombers defense on its heels to to go with Fajardo, like after like two and out, two and out, pick, two and out, two and out, pick. Like what What was the point? And, and yeah, by the time they put uh, Davis Alexander in for quote unquote mop of duty or garbage time, whatever you want to call it, it was just like, okay, well, is this really doing anything for Davis as well? You know, kind of like, well, you know, this game's out of reach. So here, you know, take the ball. Try not to fuck up on this. Yeah, like, exactly. Is, is, that really, is that really the thought behind it? Like, And if so, that, that's really doing a disservice to Davis Alexander and his de- potential development. And also, too, it just really screams, okay, well, we have given up. Well, I mean, they probably said that after the third quarter. It was pretty much <laughs> we've given up. But still, it, it was just it, – it's not the way I would have done it. But, again, I guess that's why I'm sitting on the couch watching the game and these guys are out in Winnipeg being a part of the game. So. Yeah, it, it was just even just a spark. I mean, third quarter alone, dude, I mean, we had three plays for four yards. And we had two plays for five, which ended in that interception with a pass that that, that basically floated – uh, into Winston Rose's hands. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Ridic- ridiculous. Why? It was the second time of the night that Fredrado made that type of pass. He got away with it once. This time he did not. Um, and then we had our next drive was three plays for negative 14 yards. You know, because of the, the weird fumble by Fred, uh, the, you know, the shotgun snap, which yeah. I don't understand, sure. but I understand Shade, it happened. Shades, but... shades of Henry Burris in the uh, 2013 Grey Cup. Mm. Just whoop, right by him. Jeez. So, yeah. I Again, and then then the joke of a fourth quarter that we had. Yeah, it was just a comedy of errors, to put it lightly, that, that second half for the Alouettes. And it was just unfortunate. I mean, after after having that, that hope that, okay, this team is at least in the game, only down by three at the half. Like, okay, yeah. there's something here. There's something to be excited about. And then you turn in this absolute, you know, stinker of a second half. And it, yeah, it, it's easy to see why so many Alouettes fans are just like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. And just pfft, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and I won't say this was a game that the Alouettes had to win, but this is a game that it ha- if they found a way to win or at least if they're going to lose and be competitive, about it, at least it gets people talking because the big narrative right now is the, this this uh, notion of top tier teams and the Alouettes are currently the best of the second tier and they just can't break through that glass ceiling. They can't seem to join the club that the Toronto Argonauts and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a part of and to a lesser extent the BC Lions. Uh, how do you do that? Like These are games you have to really get people talking about this team and really believing in them, you got to be able to get a win off of one of these top tier teams. And it won't be Winnipeg this year, unless somehow it's a, a Bombers Alouettes great cup, which could still theoretically happen. But after seeing what we saw, the, the, the two games, the two regular season games, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd really want to see Winnipeg in, in the great cup game. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, but it is what it is. We've got to move on. Obviously, we've got BC coming up this week. Um, to me, which I, I've already told you off air, to me, it is a must-win game. Uh, it's better to, for the Alouettes to be 7-5 and uh, seven and five and then, 
and seven and no, is that yeah, there would be or six and six, yeah. So to me, it's a must-win, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, a couple of things we want to talk about, team news and stuff like that, eh, Cliff? Because uh, obviously it's leading into who will be uh, on the sidelines for the Alouettes uh, for the game versus BC this week. And unfortunately, that's not going to be hurting my alley, is it? Unfortunately not. And it's kind of funny because uh, when we talk about the, some of the, the major plays throughout the game for the offense for the Alouettes last Thursday, third and two, uh, Fajardo decides to heave a bomb to Herji. And unfortunately, it was a beautiful pass. Like you, Fajardo couldn't have thrown it any better. Unfortunately, though, Herji, I think he took his eyes off for just a split second. And it was just enough for him. Like he, I think he was kind of looking towards the end zone just a little bit. And the ball literally flew through his hands. Like he couldn't grab it. He couldn't tighten. He couldn't wrap his hands around it and just incomplete. Mm-hmm. And of course, that leads to a turnover for on downs. And like, oh no! Like that, that that catch would it have made a difference? Possibly, possibly not. I mean, at at that point, I mean that was well. We're, part talk, of... we're talking spark. Well, yeah. I mean, you never know, though. That's the thing. It, that could have been the TSN turning point, as, as we say. But uh, instead, it's just another, you know, un- unfortunate footnote of that terrible, terrible game, and. A lot of people were thinking, well, is that the reason why he got released? And no, I don't think that was the reason he got released. I, I, not for one play like that. I, I think it was just, I, I, I mean, it could be any number of reasons. I mean, especially letting go of a national talent is always a tough call to make. Uh, and a Montreal native, too. Mm-hmm. But one thing with, you'll say with the Alouettes, I mean, I, I still remember people like during the, the first part of his tenure as uh, Alouettes GM, People were giving Danny Machocha the gears regarding, well, it seems like if you if you were a Quebec-born player, you're going to be a part of the Alouettes in some way, shape, or form. And it really felt like that. Like Whether it was drafting Quebec-born players or signing Quebec-born players, it felt like Machocha was trying to do everything to give every Quebecer a job with the Alouettes. And Herji Maiala would have been no exception to that rule as well. But Machocha is also not afraid to let people go, even if they are Quebec-born players. Uh, if you're not producing, if you're if he doesn't think it's a good fit, uh, he's not afraid to show you the door. And in, in this case, uh, even though Mayala made that absolutely uh, incredible catch in Ottawa that essentially led to the go-ahead and eventual winning touchdown to beat the Red Blacks, mm-hmm. uh, and we were so happy for him too. I remember it was we saw him after the game in in Ottawa, and the look of joy on his face was in, indescribable. I mean, just like. He he couldn't believe how open he was, and okay, we just figured okay, this is what Herji does. He he's he makes that incredible play out of nowhere, like kind of works in silence. But when you need him, he's there, and maybe it just wasn't enough. It, maybe it just you know those occasional out of nowhere plays just wasn't enough for the Alouettes, and they decided to show him the door. And it's unfortunate because we've had him on the show. He's definitely a, a great guy. Uh, you know, we were very happy to see him come back after trying out for the USFL, and it didn't go anywhere there. We were thrilled to see him come back to the come back in time for training camp, and be a part of this team. And truly thought he was going to be here for a good long time. But uh, that's the thing about football, folks. We, we say it all the time. Everybody loves football. Football loves nobody. Yeah. And 
And unfortunately, Herji is unfortunately the the latest in any number of players that have come through here and been out the door that happen to be Quebec natives. And, you know, just because you're a Quebec native doesn't mean you're going to, you know, be guaranteed your, your spot on this roster. So obviously we wish Herji all the best uh, going forward. Uh, he will not be out of work long. That I can assure you. Yeah. Someone is going to need a talented national receiver, and Herji definitely is that all day long. Yeah. So after we hear that uh, about Herji, we find out a little bit more about practice, about guys that are practicing for the first time in quite a while. Uh, we happen to hear that um, that uh, free agent pickup Greg Ellingson is finally off uh, the sixth game, has been practicing all week. And it looks like it is very possible that he will make his Alouettes debut versus the BC Lions. And also, we may have some help back in the backfield. It looks like Siante Evans is coming off the sixth game and will may looks like will be active. Uh, obviously, this is uh, leading up to whenever the depth charts are released by the by the team. But still, again, you know, I'm curious to see what Ellingson can do. He does have a hell of a pedigree. Um, you know, such a great history in the CFL. But it's it's a help for this team, considering that there's a very big potential that Osamak may not go. Um, and some of these other guys are going to have to step up. So, Well, and he's a veteran presence. And I, I think that's why the Elowes have been keeping him around, despite his injury woes and, and whatnot. Like, because, again, they, they could have let him go, too. Uh, they obviously see something in him. They, I think they still see the potential of him being a contributor on this, uh, in this receiving core. And I, I would love to see that too. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to get the Greg Ellingson that, you know, dazzled everybody, uh, while he was with the Hamilton Tiger Cats that won a great cup with the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, just making outstanding plays, uh, you know, pretty much wherever he went. And, now is his opportunity to be able to do that with the Montreal Alouettes. And I sincerely hope he gets a chance to prove himself. Uh, will he be that, uh, you know, that outstanding receiver that we, we've come to expect? Mm-hmm. Only time's going to tell. But uh, I'm definitely curious to see if he can actually get into this lineup and if he can contribute to help Cody Fajardo by getting open. I mean, he, I, I still think there's something there with him. I, I would love to see it. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, can get on the field and you know hopefully it's not as a result of Austin Mack being too banged up to play because I mean Austin Mack we know is just a, a phenomenal talent that is just getting better with each and every game but maybe it might be time to go to the uh, the, the old steady hand of uh, Greg Ellingson let's you know let's, let's see if he still has some of that magic that he had from Years before, uh, gotta make him sound so old. But <laughs> I, mean, that's, I what's I, funny I is I, I can go back farther than you, and you know that with when it comes to Greg Allingson. So <laughs> that's it. Like we're, we're not pre, trying his, to age. We're his, not trying to age. him, I promise. Yeah, but, his uh, pre CFL days. So yeah. Oh, by the way, cr- correction. Currently, the Owls are six and four. Obviously, we don't want them to go. We would rather them go seven and four rather than six and five. So just want to make a quick quick correction there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like nobody in the West, the East is ready to clinch a playoff spot yet, despite the fact that Toronto Argonauts have been playing some pretty outstanding football. That's so weird, eh? That's it, so it, weird in itself. It is, but I, and it's it's funny because like right now, like Montreal, they've got to try and 
they got to try and hang with Toronto. I, I think I, I won't say they've left Ottawa and Hamilton in the dust, but I mean, four of those six wins did come against those two teams. So, I mean, the Alouettes have done a, a very good job of playing very well in within their division. Uh, but they, they gotta be able to, they gotta be able to get, do something against Toronto. They gotta be able to mm-hmm. steal. There, there's a back-to-back series coming up in September. The Alouettes have to find a way to win at least one of those two games. If, if they want to have any chance of winning this division or, you know, it, or even securing that home playoff game, you know, with a, with a second place finish again, you got to win games like that. You've got to beat the, these top tier teams. Unfortunately, couldn't do it against Winnipeg, but you've got a chance. You still got a chance to do it against Toronto. You got a chance to do it against BC. Like these are the time. This is the time to do it. Like a lot of people were yep. saying, this is going to be a tough stretch for the Alouettes uh, playing Winnipeg, it is. BC, and a back to back against Toronto. It's tough. I, I, I agree 100% it's tough, but you've got to find a way to win games like this, like against opponents like this. And hopefully it starts on Saturday. Hopefully. You know, they, they, they pay BC back for that uh, whooping they got out at BC Place earlier this year. I know. If they can if do I remember that. Correct, if, they... if I remember correct, they came back from, from being shellacked. So one, there's one stat I need to look up is what are the uh, when the Alouettes lose by 30-plus, what is their record the following game? That's it. I mean, hopefully they're pissed off. Hopefully they're embarrassed by what they the effort they put out in, in Winnipeg, and they just go and take it out on the BC Lions who they too are are starting to falter like they're they're starting to look like maybe they're not exactly a top tier team either I, I still think they are quite frankly but i mean they too have lost to Saskatchewan and Hamilton of all teams i mean we were talking about just how bad things are in Hamilton recently and Hamilton finds a way to corral the Lions and 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 humble them so i mean I got a feeling that uh, Vernon Adams and company are going to come into this game just a little bit pissed off as well and want to take things out. And it felt like earlier this year, like if you got your ass handed to you by a team and you're playing the Alouettes next week, you're just going to take it out on them. And my concern is that maybe, just maybe, Vernon Adams and company are going to want to take out their frustration on the, of this two-game losing streak on the Alouettes. But you've also got the Alouettes now that were absolutely embarrassed by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They got to be a little bit pissed off too. So you can be looking at two very pissed off teams this uh, this rivalry rivalry weekend. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> I know. Uh, there is a lot more to this game too, man. I mean, it's uh, first. You know, we were dreading this when we first saw it, and and the team announced it. This was originally scheduled as their whiteout game. Lo mm-hmm. and behold, today on social media, they announce. That this is this is going to be a red out game. Uh, they haven't really officially named it a red out game, but the Alouettes <laughs> will be wearing their uh, their new third alternate their, their their new jerseys, their new red jerseys this week again. And both you and I agreed talking about this off air before we began the show. We want to see the uniform combo of the red jerseys and the Alouettes blue pants. Specifically, mm-hmm. considering the type of weekend that it is, try to to mimic the old Delta logo, the Delta logo uniforms as much as possible, and that would be the best way to do it. And, but you know, people are saying, "Well, Tim, what are you? You know, I've not been really following the team. What are you talking about when it comes to mimicking, you know, the Delta logo? Why? Why would you want to do that? Well, this just happens to be also uh, 
the what we, Hall of Fame Day? Uh, the uh, how Owls Alumni uh, Hall of Fame game? Is, I, I'm trying to. I'm I'm trying to. I don't know what what. How do we? mention this because i mean you know during this game itself the owls will be honoring four of the five owls legends who this year are being inducted into the canadian football hall of fame john bowman josh bork larry smith and jacques Dessau will be on hand and uh, they're gonna as i mentioned i think last episode they're gonna be doing this up big for them at halftime i would call it a hall of fame celebration game because they technically have Technically, they haven't been inducted in the Hall of Fame yet. That's mm-hmm. actually happening on September 15th mm-hmm. in Hamilton. But yes, they are going to be celebrating these gentlemen for their absolutely outstanding accomplishment. Oh, I'm, and, I'm sorry. And I don't like doing this, but I'm going to tease it anyways. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we may have the opportunity of speaking with one of these future inductees into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. That's all I'll say. You'll have, you'll have to stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs> That's it. I mean, folks, I'm I'm personally excited about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, like by all means, folks, tune in. Who find out who it's going to be, and uh, dun, I, dun, I think dun. you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it again, from what we've heard from, uh, you know, f- from Mark Waitman, they're going to do this thing right. Uh, I think Cliffy and I, you. I think both you and I agree that when John Bowman was here after his after he announced his retirement, and it was because there, it was during COVID protocols, et cetera, he he kind of got the shaft in 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 the quote unquote ceremony that he was given. I wouldn't say it's so much the shaft as it was kind of like uh, it was kind of a meh way mm, of doing mm, it. I mean, mm. like yes, he was celebrated and he had a chance to come out one last time and and thank everybody and all that, but it just. It, it didn't have quite that same oomph, that same sort of pomp and circumstance that we've come to expect for, for moments you, like this. I thought you were going to say chutzpah. <laughs> I thought really that's what you're about to say. No, um, not quite. I, I, I mean, no, I don't think it would quite fit here. But uh, <laughs> I have to believe, though, with with Mark Waitman, the Elvis president at the helm, who's always done a, a great job when it comes to events like this to celebrate alumni, whether it's a Jersey retirement uh, or even just a celebration of a Hall of Fame career or a Hall of Fame worthy career. Mark Wakeman gets it. He, mm-hmm. he, he knows what it's going to take. So I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that this is going to be a fantastic ceremony for these gentlemen. Well-deserved as well. Yeah. And they're going to do something. They're going to inviting, you know, this is a big thing when they're going to be inviting fans onto the field to basically greet them as they're as they're coming onto the field, you know they they, they cool. did this for AC and th- and they did this for Ben because I I remember I was on the one for I was on the field for the one for Ben Cahoon, which is still going on by the way. Uh, supposedly, I'm looking at my watch now. You're right, the clock's still going. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's also some other interesting things too. By the way, if you if you can do this as quick enough as you can and then get back to your seats, you'll be able to watch the ceremony. But start also starting on Saturday, uh, starting at Saturday's game at halftime, uh, over by the main gate. Uh, the uh, you as a season ticket member can go pick up your yearly gift, and that will be available at starting this Saturday. Uh, at halftime, and it will continue throughout the uh, throughout the season uh, through through the rest of the home games. So that will be available. I think it was they said it was a cap. So it has no nothing's been leaked as of yet to, say, to what it shows, what it looks like yet. 
bud. And then also, and I know you're a beer guy, dude. I trust me. I know you're a beer guy. What's your thought on what they are dubbing the Corona Nachos glass? I think it's cool, actually. <laughs> I saw it too. It was like, I don't drink Corona. I probably would like Corona. That still looks freaking cool. It does. And it's just a perfect way to have your beer and your chips and salsa or chips and queso, as it looked like a, a, based on the promotional photo they showed. Mm-hmm. Just a, a, another interesting uh, accompaniment, if you will. I mean, just as part of the experience. It's, it's too bad you couldn't do something like this during like Cinco de Mayo or something like that, because obviously, like, well, you're in training camp at that point for Cinco de Mayo, mm-hmm. but uh, I definitely think it's cool. I mean, it's, I I would have probably done this a little bit sooner in the summer, like while it was still hot, because I, I tend to associate Corona with like going down south, you know, like to like the Caribbean for vacation or down south to Mexico or something like that. Like it's a hot weather kind of drink. And right. it's not to say it won't be hot and sticky on Labor Day weekend or, you know, going into still going on to the later games this year. But I think this is something that could, could have maybe done, done a little bit sooner in the year to really profit off of it. But still, I, I think it's a really neat initiative. Uh, again, if you're a fan of Corona and you're a fan of chips and salsa, then this is uh, the way this thing is designed. It's all in one. So you can pretty much do everything with one hand, like take a sip of Corona while eating your chips and dunking them in the, in sauce. I mean, my gosh, I mean, the, that's awesome. Like, I mean, it's not the nacho hat that you saw in the Simpsons episode when uh, Homer and Ned Flanders went to a football game. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. I, I would love to see that. I mean, you talk, you talk about puts in helmets all you want, but a nacho hat, that would be badass. But you know what, dude? They the owls could still do something like this. They could, they could easily take advantage of this. Having somebody eating this when they're promoting this at the game. Okay, show somebody with it. Drinking the Corona, eating the nachos and chips, and then playing the Homer. Nacho, nacho man. Nacho man. <laughs> I got take, to be a nacho man. <laughs> take advantage of it. I mean, really. Definitely. So, oh, a classic bit. And sorry to the guys at Piffles Podcast. I know you seem to want to work in the Simpsons reference in every episode, but it's our turn now. So, did they did they say how much it was? Cause I know you could buy a package where it would be forty bucks for a seat and the nacho hat. Nacho right. hat. Nacho. <laughs> the nacho cup. The nacho cup. Did they it's say how nacho much? cup. <laughs> yeah, did they say how much it was? Uh, no, they didn't. I mean, yes, I saw the same thing, too, that, uh, yeah, it'd be a ticket plus that. I have to believe you can buy it separately, so I don't know. I, I couldn't see it being more than $20, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's just a handful of chips, really, and a Corona. I mean, Mm-hmm. I know Coronas tend to cost around like anywhere between eleven to thirteen dollars by itself. Well, like that's normal in stadium, anyways. Right. So, I mean, if you were to factor in this fancy cup and some chips and salsa or whatever, I, I well, it's like eight bucks, I think, for uh, nachos at the stadium. Something like that. Something like that. So, I'd say it would have to be around the twenty dollar mark. If I was, if I were to venture a guess, I'd say around the twenty dollar mark. Yeah. Have they shown it anywhere else beside on their social media? Because I know I've been looking for it recently and. I think they had it on their Instagram and and potentially on their TikTok, but I haven't seen it anywhere else. I haven't seen it on their regular socials. Yeah. Well, I guess we're just going to have to find out. I mean, normally I, I would just be like, you know, buy the Alouette beer because it's awesome. But now I'm going to have to get a nacho cup. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, do you think, and obviously this is something new, and I'm glad they, they thought of this type of thing, because, you know, it, it is a great promotion. You know, it, obviously it's not whatever the weird stuff that, that you know, Mr. Alfieri was doing by putting it into the uh, uh, into the uh, helmet itself. Oh, and, you mean the uh, the peanut butter in craft uh, dinner? Oh, that's what it was. Yes, that just that's just disgusting. Love uh, you, Joey, but you're you're wrong for that. And don't you know? There's no way you could be eating that sh- stuff with a straight face. I mean that that you're doing that for clout. Like, come on. Yeah, like, he didn't make it. It wasn't a full thing. It wasn't a uh, full thing. There's no way. There's no way. Uh, if it is, I want to see the receipts. I, I want to see the B-roll of him trying to choke that nonsense down. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but do you think this will have the same type of FOMO that the Patoon helmet did? No, but it's still cool. Oh, I, yeah. Don't get, me, don't, don't get me wrong. I think if it was Alouette's branded, and I don't think it is. I think it's actually no, more Corona branded. I think branded. it's Corona so branded, I, yeah. I don't think you're going to get quite that same, oh, my God, I got to get this kind of thing. But it's still a cool thing to have. It's still trying something new, which I'm all for. And, again, it could either sell at Gangbusters or could fall flat. We we won't know until at least Saturday. So I, I think it's neat. I, I, I don't think it's going to top the puts in helmet because that was truly something special and something that Alouette's fans could really gravitate towards and something that had the Alouette's logo on it, something that really spoke to it being a football item. So this Nacho Cup doesn't seem to really have that. It just seems like a really you know convenient way to be able to have your beer and chips at the same time, which yeah. is nice, but I, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna get quite that FOMO feeling that you did with the puts in helmet. Yeah, uh, I, I might be. Yeah, I might, might, I might be willing to give it, give a Corona a try. I mean, it's Corona. Yeah, for sci- for scientific purposes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the Alouettes are going into this game, Cliff, currently as of DraftKings. Uh, as a three and a half point underdog, uh, total, the total is over under is at forty six and a half points. Um, you know, you were saying before that you know you take away the the you know the the three points that teams you know we joke around and say that they get uh, for the being hometown a, bump. Yeah, the hometown bump. So you're saying it's about six and a half. Um, I'm 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 actually pretty okay with the three and a half points. Uh, I mean, BC lifetime in Montreal is 15 and 30, but they have mm-hmm. split the last 10, which is strange to say. But, you know, Owls were going through some tough times, but still. They sure were. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, Vernon Adams' homecoming. We love it. It'll be nice to see VA again, uh, just just as a player. Um, yep. Not necessarily, you know, a winning, I mean, he... a, a winning player. Uh, <laughs> well, that's it. And, uh... And yes, we did see him technically last year mm-hmm. for the BC Lions. He did go in for a couple of series, but uh, it, that technically was Antonio Pipkin's game to lose, and lose he did. So that that doesn't reflect on Vernon, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, and that was still pretty. Yeah, it, it, it was it, relatively it, fresh after being uh, after him being traded to the uh, to the Lions. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Also, I was just about to say that. Yeah, almost almost initially since he uh, after he got traded. So, mm-hmm. so I, I know what you're talking about. Um, but, yeah. I, and as I even brought this up uh, before the show, too. Like, I don't think VA's ever actually played, a, like, a full game, like, started a game against the Alouettes at Percival Molson Stadium. I don't think so, either. I haven't I haven't been able to reach out to uh, CFL guru, stats guru, Steve Daniel, yet. To, and and the, um, the stats, the, the game notes are not out as of yet as we're taping this show. So uh, we'll have to, you know, if we see it in the notes, we'll... Uh, 
we'll, we'll make sure that, uh, that either I or our, the uh, flight tech socials will, will tweet it out. So, yeah, I'll, again, we, we do, we do have one instance of Vernon playing against and being the LOS, but that was earlier this year at BC place. But truthfully, I think a lot of that is just more about the fact that the LOS just simply cannot win at BC place at plain and simple. I, I think it's, more that, I mean, not to take anything away from Vernon, we'll never take anything away from his ability. I mean, he played an outstanding football game that day, and I have no doubt in my mind he's going to play an outstanding football game this coming Saturday as well. It's just, are the Alouettes going to be able to respond better than what they did out, out in Vancouver? I think that's going to be the key for this game is the Alouettes have to remember they're not at BC Place. They're at Percival Most Stadium, and... They've got to play better football. Certainly, a lot better than what they played last week versus the 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 Blue Bombers. Mm, I, I have to believe that motivational factor for both teams, really, because again, both of them are coming off relatively embarrassing losses. I mean, everybody and their mother thought that the BC Lions were going to walk all over the Tiger Cats, and it was the other way around. Whereas the Alouettes got thumped by the Blue Bombers, and they've got to be smarting from that. They've got to be. I hope they're embarrassed. I hope they're pissed off about it, and they end up taking it out on the Lions as a result. Yeah. So I mean, you're looking at two teams that you said it like this. It's a must-win game in the sense that you you want to keep things going. You want to re reestablish that that momentum that was happening during that four-game win streak. But BC is equally motivated as well, and they they got to keep pace as well. I mean, you know, especially with Winnipeg, essentially they could clinch a playoff spot. The, the next victory, they're going to qu- clinch a playoff spot. So BC has to, is going to want to maintain. They're going to want to, they're firmly in second place now and they want to make sure they stay that way. Yeah. Um, you know, once the depth chart does come out, stay tuned to all of our socials. We'll make sure that we get it out to you guys. Um, also, uh, again, we want to uh, stress that uh, we want to see you guys at the, uh, at the upcoming uh, fan meetup. Uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, stay tuned to our socials also for more information. Um, any new information that comes about, and obviously you can head to our merch store and buy one of the Cartoon Bird Fifty Six shirts or anything else that's on the site. And you can also use the the promo code TGiving twenty three at checkout for ten percent off your entire order. Mm-hmm. So, so buy up all the merch, folks. Yeah. Any last things that you want to mention about the game itself anything uh, about the who's being inducted da, 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 da. Uh, anything else before we go buddy um definitely it's going to be interesting seeing john bowman get properly celebrated despite the fact that he is actually a member now of the bc lions coaching staff mm-hmm. that's going to be kind of interesting because he's obviously got a job to do as, as coach uh, uh for the for the lions but you know there's going to be a little part of him that I think is going to be happy to be celebrated again. Uh, I mean, he got his flowers, you know, a couple of years ago with, 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 with the team, but as we all discussed, it just felt like it was just kind of there. Whereas this time around, he should be properly celebrated and appreciated for everything he did for Alouette's nation. And I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy. He's going into the hall of fame as well. Definitely well-deserved. There's absolutely no question about that. Uh, but still going to be an interesting wrinkle. Like, okay, I'm being celebrated for everything I did for Montreal, but I'm doing that's going to happen while I'm wearing BC Lions gear. So that'll be that'll be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, aside from that, uh, I mean, 
I, I look at this team and I, I look at some of the other teams in this league and their fan base are complaining about this, that, and the other. And we don't really have things too bad here in Alouette's nation. All things considered, I mean, yes, the, the loss against Winnipeg was a very bitter pill to swallow. Just like the loss against the BC Lions at BC Place was a very bitter pill to swallow. And the potential is definitely there for that to happen again, this time at home. But I have to believe the Alouettes are not going to allow that to happen. I I have to believe that they were thoroughly embarrassed by what they put out. And it was a team loss. It was You can't blame it on any one person. It, it, they, won as, they win as a team and they lose as a team. And everybody on this team has to own up for that one. I have to believe, though, at this point, they truly have burned the tape. It's a, a distant memory at this point. And now they're just focused on the game on Saturday. And truthfully, I think if they come out the way that they have these past few weeks, just ready to go, ready to rock. This defense, I still believe, is, despite losing uh, like a Wesley Sutton and Tyrell Richards, I still think can be very dangerous and is going to make Vernon's life a living hell as best as they can. Uh, if they can shut down a lot of these top-notch receivers for the BC Lions, that's going to be key as well. Like, just If you take away this offense, I, I think Montreal can make this a very competitive affair. And truthfully, if... They just got to find a way to win. Simply put, it doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, Lord knows the Alouettes have had some pretty ugly wins this year. Just get the win. Just get 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 back on track, knowing full well after this you've got a home and home series against the defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts, and you know those two games are going to be tough. Even though you played the the Argos earlier this year and it was a very competitive and closely played match, you you still got to go out there and you you got to try and win at least one of these games as well. I mean, if Montreal can come away with a win on Saturday and a win, at least one win versus the Argos, that'll definitely help their confidence. It'll definitely help their, their standings as well. It'll definitely help a lot of things. I think it'll definitely help reestablish this team as, I mean, I hate to say it, like the best second tier team in this league. I mean, top tier. I mean, I just, if you want to be considered top tier, you got to beat the top tier teams. Toronto is definitely one of those. So, I mean, if you can, if you can find a way to beat them, you're going to all of a sudden be in, in that conversation. If you beat BC, you're also going to be in that conversation. Like these are games that simply put have to be won by this team. Mm -hmm. I think they know it. I think everybody watching knows it. It's just a matter of, they've just got to go out and execute. Simple as that. Yep. I agree. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to uh, our social to find out when the next episode of Flight Deck Live will be broadcast. Uh, we will send out some uh, some reminders during the game on Saturday. Uh, but uh, usually we'll be anywhere between about 30-ish minutes after 30 to 45 minutes after the uh, after the game has completed. And uh, so you'll be able to hear our first thoughts on the uh, on the game between the BC Lions and the Montreal Alouettes, so uh, we're looking forward to to seeing you guys again live to talk about the Alouettes. So, um, other than that, buddy, uh, I'm looking forward to the game. It's gonna be nice to be home again uh, to see these guys play. And in red, I love those uniforms. And we're just so hoping, cr fingers crossed, they're gonna do that that red on blue. Oh, fingers crossed. Here's hoping. Uh, and I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's going to be an amazing look. I mean, all red, yeah, that's that's fine. It's it's good, but I mean, I I really think though the the red jersey on the blue pants that'll pop. Like, Didn't they go get difference people... for the last game, by the way? The last time they when they wore when they wore them on the road in Ottawa, they wore blue socks. 
rather than they the Red did. Sox because they went all mono for the very first game on Canada Day. Right. So, I mean, incorporating a little blue is not a bad thing. No. So Let, Let's see it. Let's see it, guys. Make it make it so. So Make it so. Make it so. So we appreciate everybody. Uh, we hope you guys uh, join us again next week as we talk about the Alouettes and 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 set up the rest of the season. Uh, so for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.